And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. I'm your host, Michael Graham with Inside Sources. With us, as always, is Todd Shepard, editor of Delaware Valley Journal. And Todd, you had a big scoop about Philadelphia protests and the police this week. Tell us about it. Well, you start off with the fact that, uh, look, we all know how big the protests were in Philadelphia, but... The Philadelphia City Council was, um, they were sending some signals to the administration. In fact, more than just a signal, they sent a a letter signed by 14 of the 17 members. And they said, look, when it comes to funding the police department next year, uh, the the $14 million increase that we were talking about earlier, that's pretty much off the table. That's the scene setter. What we scooped at uh, Delaware Valley Journal, uh, and at first uh, a nugget of this did come out, uh, we want to tip our hat to the website bigtrial.net. Uh, they had reported that uh, you know some, some city councilors were getting extra security from the Philadelphia Police Department. We actually got confirmation of this. In fact, I was a little bit shocked when uh, Councilman Derek Green called me back, and yes, he gave us an answer. He said, uh, quote, What I can say is that I received information that a number of council members' addresses were listed. And here he's talking about some emails that were being sent around by some of the protesters and so forth, uh, or or some handout materials. And so they were listing the city council members' addresses, and then Green said, it was suggested that people take the rallies and protests to the home of council members. So... I was unable to keep Green on the phone very long. And by the way, he was in the middle of a meeting when he called me. So um, it was a difficult conversation to have in the first place. Um, And once he realized we were getting into the questions of who made this decision, how much did it cost? uh, He had to return to his meeting and we were not able to get back on the phone again at any point thereafter. So the real message was we are going to join the defund the police movement, at least in uh, spirit, by moving some money around. But we're not going to live by it because we want them out guarding our private homes. Yes. And, you know, I think this is sort of an interesting thing to keep in mind that one of the police reforms that's being talked about in Philadelphia is um, people are saying, you know, maybe we should have a rule that future officers need to live in the city. And think about the, you know, the thought process behind that is saying, look, we want our cops to have that, that sort of feel of the city. They want, we want them to have uh, the, the neighborhood and person-to-person interaction that allows them to understand the citizenry that they are, you know, keeping safe or, or, or policing. That's sort of the same. I think some of that same logic applies here when you're talking about the council people. Look, nobody wants harm or property harm to anybody in any of these circumstances. Um, But when you're talking about elected officials that are city councilors, you do want them – you don't exactly want them to be isolated from some of these events. And that sounds a little bit like what the police gave them was this this kind of bubble – uh, to where you know maybe other people were were very uh, concerned about their property or their even their physical safety, but the city councilors didn't have to have, didn't have to share in that at any point for what we think was ten or eleven days. Meanwhile, according to the Philadelphia Police Department, three hundred and seventy eight fires were set in the city and two hundred and forty six commercial burglaries were committed during the unrest last week, which has got to uh, send a message to not just the city of Philadelphia proper, uh, Todd, but to the uh, collar counties as well, that that how dangerous these uh, protests or uh, the the subsequent rioting and uh, and uh, et cetera, bad behavior can be. And then people have to wonder how vested are these police officers in preventing it? 
Well, and I think that the uh, the color counties are are breathing a sigh of relief that the protests have begun to die down now because, you know, there there had been a lot of talk of they would send some additional help, you know, either sheriff's deputies or other police if things continue to grow in Philadelphia. Um, but now that they're on, you know, now that the protests and, and everything else that's associated with it is dissipating, they, they're not having to confront that decision anymore. And I think there's just a, a huge sigh of relief that that that's a decision that's been taken off of their plate just by the natural turn of events. Todd Shepard, based on your reporting, the conversations you've had, how pervasive is the hashtag defund the police message? Is this something that maybe college kids wave around on cardboard signs or is there really an intellectual infrastructure, a political infrastructure that's promoting something like defunding the police or doing what uh, Minneapolis is supposedly doing, which is, you know, reimagining the city without a traditional police force? You know, I always think the hashtag comes first and usually the the intellectual support comes second. I think definitely as quickly as the the protests emerge after the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis, um, that's certainly true in this case. But I definitely think there's there's very much of a difference between the way the whole movement is seen inside Philadelphia and then out in the other four counties. I mean, the we all know, like you just mentioned, the number of fires and, and the all of the other damage that went along in Philadelphia. The protests in in the four counties, they've been very peaceful. They've been very uh, I don't want to say organized, but um they just haven't they don't seem to have been nearly as spontaneous they haven't lasted into the night they haven't gone against curfews in the in you know probably the very few cases that there have been curfews in outside of Philadelphia so uh you know there there's still just a very there's a very different feel to the whole thought about defund the police when you're talking about Philadelphia and you're talking about everything around it uh, and we have to give a, uh, a a token of sympathy to poor Matthias Baldwin Todd, you know, uh, he was an abolitionist who fought against slavery 30 years before it ended. His philanthropies were education for black children. Uh, he led a, a boycott, uh, or excuse me, he was so active in abolitionism that uh, his uh, business was boycotted by southern states. And he still couldn't escape the protesters and the beyond protesters and ended up. Uh, having his uh, statue uh, defaced during the activities. Yeah, some things I've seen on Twitter in the last week, uh, it's this saying, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but uh, it's something to the effect of you're woke in the morning and you're tired by the afternoon, <laughs> you know? And so, um, I, I, yes, I definitely feel sympathy that, you know, for, for all of these discussions about racial justice, you know, people have, have said, you know, maybe we should look at, at, at monuments to Washington and Jefferson mm -hmm. and saying this very seriously uh, because they were slaveholders. Um, and, and yet here you have someone that was morally upright on the subject in their lifetime centuries ago. And yet that even now was not good enough to uh, to have a legacy that could outlast these protests. Uh, speaking of the protests and how they were embraced, uh, you've also noted this week that the Philadelphia Health Department uh, took an unusual step for an organization that is allegedly dedicated to its top priority of promoting public health and therefore stopping the spread of COVID. 
Yeah, so I was doing some digging back into the Philadelphia Department of Public Health, their Twitter account. And look, Michael, they were answering some very direct questions to citizens who were tweeting at them saying, I can hear people using the basketball courts across the street. Um, you know, how do we make this stop? Uh, or, I, you know, people are using volleyball courts. This has got to stop. Uh, and the, the Department of Public Health would tweet back, please call 311 and we'll look into the issue ourselves. But then last weekend, when the, the, the protests grew to thousands upon thousands, I mean, just by my own eye estimate of the aerial footage we saw from TV coverage, I would say, gosh, it looked to me like eight to 10,000 or more in downtown Philadelphia. Uh, they re the, the Department of Public uh, Health retweeted some of this aerial footage and they said, Philly showed up and showed out, four exclamation points. Look, I, I, I understand it's one thing if you're a politician, if you're Governor Wolf, and maybe you feel like you personally have to go to a, a parade and, and show a, a certain amount of solidarity or, or, or show an emotion, uh, a linkage of emotions with the people like that. I think it's something very different when the Department of Public Health really just flat out endorses a, a march like that that had to be, had to be in the tens of thousands. I love the fact that the photos of Philadelphia in 2020 so eerily comport with photos from the infamous war bond march in 1918, which, as you know, Todd, has been used as an example by health departments across the country of what not to do during a pandemic. And so, you know, the first thing that came out after the uh, the lockdowns were declared was, oh my gosh, let's don't do what Philadelphia did in 1918, have a bunch of people gather for a parade. That was, was a disaster. And here we are 102 years later going, hey, it's a parade. We're the health department and we think it's great. Well, look, first of all, if there's any difference between the, the, the photo comparison, it's that I think these other protests, they look bigger almost in some <laughs> cases, right? But hey, look, I'm going to loop that in, that comparison into another story. We also reported upon the, you know, the, the General Assembly voted to uh, undo the COVID declaration or the COVID emergency declaration that Governor Wolf has had in effect for about 90 days now. And one of the Delaware Valley senators, Bob Mensch from Bucks County, uh, he he pointed that out specifically, and he he made it a point of hypocrisy to Governor Wolf. He said, "Look, the the parades in 1918 were devastating, and what did our governor do? He went out and and essentially paraded. Of course, it was more of a protest, but you know, drawing that close analogy, so." Uh, it's not just that some people were making this observation on Twitter or that, you know, we we sort of at least put photos side by side for people to compare when they're looking at that story. But here you had a state senator um, making that direct analogy and pointing it straight at Harrisburg and Governor Wolf. And one of the things that I think is evident in the behavior of politicians and political institutions during the covid issue is. As many people have suspected for a long time, Todd, government is not done by data and logic and reason and arguments. Government is done by feeling and emotion and really hoping that suburban voters don't abandon you. And so that's why you can see the, 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 the contradictions are obvious. I mean, why was it always the case that you could go to a large grocery store or a large department store but you couldn't go to your local hardware store or your local you know, shop. Why was that? Well, the answer was not uh, about spreading COVID. The answer wasn't about health. It was about, well, people got to eat. You know, we got to have food. 
And so we're just going to pretend that this isn't a ridiculous, you know, contradiction. Why were you able to, you know, gather in uh, groups for a protest of thousands, but you would your attempt to try to have ten people together for your mom's funeral in March or April was shut down? Well, there is no sane answer other than. There was a lot of political pressure behind protesting. People really wanted to protest. The people pushing the protest had political allies. And you and your mom, sorry, you're nobody. And it's a reminder that this is how politics works in the real world. And, of course, you know, it works a lot worse in a lot of other parts of the world than it does in the United States. But no doubt about it, When whether it's Senator Deniman or anyone else calling out hypocrisy, of course it was hypocrisy from the beginning, in a sense, in essence, because the people themselves were demanding it. They need to feel safe, and so that's how much safety you got, was however much it took for the population to feel safe and support their leaders. Well, a couple of observations on that. First of all, I'm, I'm taken back to the press conference where Governor Wolf was really having to answer for the first time about all of the southeastern counties going from red to yellow in his reopening phases. And he was pressed about, you know, in four questions, I think, consecutively about the the 50 cases per 100,000 residents metric and so on. And and at one point, you know, he just sort of gets exasperated. He says, look, you know, we never said that we were completely wedded to this metric. Um, <laughs> right. But that also takes me back to look a lot of the and um, the, the comedian or uh, I, I, maybe I sh- the better phrase is to say the Hollywood response to some of what was going on mm-hmm. to the shutdown in April. Let's look at that Patton Oswalt tweet where, you know, people are complaining that they can't go to the stylist and get their roots done. Right. Well, you know, what I've really seen on Twitter is and I can't say that I've seen a bunch of these, but what really has been emotional are the people that have noted uh, so and so person in my family died and we really could not have a funeral. Right. And it, it, it at the max, it would have been 30 people. And that really is a that's a very hard thing to swallow mm-hmm. uh, when you look at uh, at how open the society has been in the last week. Right. And the fact that there were no significant changes in events, it was it was changes in politics. But that's why politics is politics. And that's why it's so fascinating to watch. And that's why we keep an eye on it for you in the Delaware Valley at Delaware Valley Journal. Todd, where are we on all on all the social media stuff? Just look up Delaware Valley Journal on Facebook, but on Twitter, we are at DV underscore journal. Todd Shepard can be reached at? Todd at insidesources.com. That's with two Ds. And I am Michael Graham. You can't reach me, but trust me, you don't want to. This is the Delaware Valley Journal on the air podcast. Thanks for checking us out at DelawareValleyJournal.com.